This is Collected Clan, Episode 15. The huge importance that the culture places on beauty and on having a certain ideal, a certain ideal look and face and body type. Welcome to another edition of Collected Clan, the podcast featuring conversational biographies of relatable people with real stories of triumph and tragedy, plus successes and setbacks. I'm your host, Gregory Byerline. People often come and go, but these are the company that you keep. Everyday people making their mark. My guest today is Abby Stahlschmidt. Abby is a professional model with whom I've worked several times, and she's also an accomplished violinist playing across the U.S. and Europe. We talk about her music career so far and take a deep dive into the fashion and modeling world as we've both seen it, including a look at female objectification and how our work impacts people who see it. Abby also shares a special organization she supports in this episode's nonprofit spotlight. We end our conversation with an elevating celebration of femininity, plus the mention of another playlist related to our conversation. After it's over, check out that playlist and see photos and videos of Abby in the show notes at collectedclan.com slash Abby Stolschmid. Here we go. Thank you for coming on, Abby. Thank you for having me. You and I first met when we were working on some photo shoots together. And it was only in the years after those shoots, I discovered that you are quite the musician also. Violin, correct? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. How did that begin? I started playing the violin when I was four. It was really something that my parents wanted me and my sister to be involved in instruments. My sister started out in piano. Um, and I started out on violin because they didn't want us to really compete in, you know, learning the same type of instrument. I remember some, a few of my first lessons. Um, I don't remember, I don't feel like I remember a time whenever I didn't know how to play the violin. But yeah, it's really just been a part of who I am for as long as I can remember. I definitely love it. How would you describe it? What's your elevator pitch about your music? I've played a lot of different styles. I started out in classical training, so I definitely have my roots in that. I love the technical aspect of it and really just the the range of things that it allows you to play whenever you really know how to play the violin, which I, I feel a classical foundation prepares you for. But personally, I don't even know if I have a good label for what I do because I, I love things that are very on the artsy side. I love kind of having a country background and, and slides and just things that really feel soulful to me, I guess. I've played with this Spanish musician musician named Javier Mendoza, and I, I feel like that kind of in itself was a really cool starting point for me, just being able to learn kind of some of the flamenco style things and then even learning how to emulate things like a harmonica on the violin, really just things that are kind of out of the box. I've played country music, played rock music, I've played in a Trans-Siberian tribute band. Along the way, I've had to kind of learn electric violin and then get into all the technical things of equipment and gear and things that I never had to do whenever I was just playing an orchestra. Does the electric violin play different physically than an acoustic violin? Does it Um, feel different? It definitely can, especially the one I would say that I have, which the electric violin that I utilize the most right now is made by a guy named Mark Wood, who actually used to play with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And it's actually a six-string violin, and it looks like what you would see um, basically a flying V guitar looks like. 
it's got this interesting like <laughs> it's, it's totally totally different for a violin but it's got this like chest support system where you have a strap that basically comes around and allows you to strap on this violin so that you don't have to hold it up with your your chin so it allows you basically to run around the stage and flip your hair, do whatever you want to do in order to have a show and not worry about dropping the instrument. So it's definitely a very, very different design from a violin standpoint. And there are also frets on it, which for one thing really just gives you assurance of intonation whenever you're not really looking down at the violin. And also one thing that I learned as a violinist playing with electric guitars in a band is... The interesting thing about violin is that you can vary your intonation so much in a way that electric guitars don't. Like intonation, I would say, is probably pretty stable on an electric guitar or a fretted instrument because you're always going directly to that fret. But with a violin, you can even play things like quarter tones that are in Middle Eastern music. So for me, it was a different experience playing with electric instruments and fretted instruments because the intonation and the pitch is pretty precise. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I hadn't um, noticed in the photos I've seen of you playing that it had frets. So I, I find that interesting for a right. violin. Right. So I know one of the reasons that Mark Wood actually did that also was to allow kind of the visual the visual guide of even being able to play chords and play in a way that guitarists really play and think more like a guitarist. So it does, it, it's really a different tactile experience than playing on a non-fretted instrument. So it definitely did take me probably a couple months to get used to because for one thing, it's a much heavier instrument than my acoustic violin. And the other thing that was very odd for me at first was the sound is not coming directly off of the violin. With my acoustic violin, I have the, the sound holes that are literally pointed right at my ear. So I was getting immediate feedback on what my pitch was. And with the electric instrument, usually I'll have in-ear monitors. So instead of getting the, the pitch or the sound coming directly off of the instrument, I'm getting it from the monitors that are in my ears, which was also something that was very weird for me at first. Yeah, I could um, see where that would be. So. That would be different. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, right. but that makes perfect sense. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it honestly, at, at first, it did kind of feel like a totally different instrument, but essentially, essentially, it plays the same way. There's definitely some more nuance that you can, I feel you can get out of an acoustic violin than you can an electric but then you have the whole range of effects and pedals and all of that that you can play with with an electric instrument that you can't the same way with an acoustic one. So so could you put like electric pickups on an acoustic violin and achieve the same thing? Or could you mic an acoustic violin and run it through an effects rack? So you can do a similar thing with an acoustic violin. But the thing is, an acoustic violin is not the body of it. The instrument is not built to be to be amplified in the same way that an electric instrument is. So for one thing, you can get a lot of feedback, which I know is, is something that even acoustic guitarists have to deal with somewhat, but maybe even to a greater extent, because the body of an acoustic instrument is meant to resonate and to create its own sound. And then whenever you amplify it, it kind of creates the situation where it, it, feedback, it feeds back pretty easily. So it doesn't handle... Uh, amplification as well as an electric violin that's built for that does so in theory you can you can run it through some effects but it's just not going to handle it as well as an electric instrument would that makes sense so well it's good see i've learned something <laughs> right 
and yeah, and I kind of had to learn that just by going through it and uh, figuring it out in some ways. Yeah, well, plus with an acoustic violin, you wouldn't be able to have the Randy Rhodes effect of running across stage with a flying V. Exactly. Right, the visual of it is definitely yes. very different. So so tell me <laughs> about some of your musical highlights of your career so far. What are some things that you have done? You're like, you know what, that's just cool, and I'm glad I got to do that. Well, um, it definitely has been a range of things. I have jumped in with a lot of bands from country bands to kind of Spanish music, like I mentioned, to Trans-Siberian Orchestra type music. So I, I've loved kind of being able to experience a whole range of things on that front. But there is a, a country band that I jumped in with. We opened for Josh Turner at Soldiers Memorial. So that was definitely one of my first favorite experiences. I have gotten to record on some really cool people's albums. Some of the actual musicians from the Transparent Orchestra, Chris Caffrey, one of the lead guitarists, I, I was able to record on one of his albums. And yeah, kind of a, a host of people. Probably one of my favorite experiences was I have played in Trans-Siberian Tribute in Branson. I've played in that in six, for six months. I think one of my highlights is touring in Finland with a symphonic rock band, which actually kind of was a product of knowing those people in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I was able to first record on this group called the Vivaldi Metal Projects album, which is the group that I just toured with in Finland, which is basically a reincarnation of Vivaldi's Four Seasons, but done in a rock setting. So with all of the electric guitars and effects and just, just all kinds of tracks, it's pretty crazy, but a lot of fun. Um, I, I love the so concept of that. On. That's a that's yes. one of my favorite classical pieces like ever collections. That whole yes. that whole four seasons work. Oh my goodness! Um, and I'm a, I'm a rock and roll fan too, as much as I am a classical fan. So I'm gonna mm -hmm. have to check that one mm -hmm. out for sure. That is definitely one of my highlights. Also, kind of on a, a totally different front, since I'm also a singer. One of the most fun things that I think I've I've gotten to be a part of to date was shooting my own music video. It was a country song called Turntable. Got to work with some of my, my favorite people as far as video production, Gail and Wyatt, who are with Pirate Pictures here in St. Louis. We shot the film at a 50s-style diner in Branson, Missouri. And, man, that was just one of the most fun things, getting to put together this whole scene and getting the costumes together, getting to work with a ton of other actors that Gail pulled together and she was they were honestly so great to work with um it was such a fun shoot that we did it was a two-day shoot at the diner and also at the theater that was connected to the diner kind of a fun place in, in Branson in general called the Starlight Theater which has a diner on the inside of it and also a theater so it was a cool setup we got to utilize both spaces in that but that song is actually and the music video is actually being featured currently on the country network so that was one of just the, the really super fun things that I got to do, being able to see a song that I recorded kind of come to life in that way. So that's still one of my favorite projects that I've gotten to do. Fun. And that's out currently? Yes, that is out currently. Okay, cool. I will, uh, listeners, I will find that and gather it in the show notes for this show. Thank you so much. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun kind of storyboarding that and getting to see it come to life from just having some some meetings basically at Denny's with the producer and, and the, the videographer that I worked with. So it was a super fun process. 
Coming up, Abby talks about another video she made, this time a tribute to Prince, which led to performing her cover of Purple Rain at a benefit for a prominent St. Louis area dancer paralyzed in a random drive-by shooting. A concert video of her version of Purple Rain is available in the show notes. Here's Abby. After Prince's passing, I wanted to do a tribute to him, obviously because of the phenomenal musician that he was. I know that he had a lot of outreach that he did as well, for children in particular. So I wanted to do this tribute to him from his song Purple Rain. And I actually shot a music video for it in Branson at one of the the major theaters down there, which was the Haygood Theater. I think it's called the, the Clay Cooper Theater. But anyway, I shot it there for half of the video and also at the Hahatanka State Park, which is this really beautiful park that has what looks like a rundown castle, but basically it was this huge mansion that a fire basically destroyed it and made it look like these, these beautiful castle ruins that could be found even in Europe. It doesn't look like it's even in Missouri. So yeah, that was the, the first music video that I've ever shot. But honestly, a lot has kind of come out of that. There's a even a benefit concert that I was able to do for this dancer who happened to be named Rain. So I was asked to, to be a part of this benefit concert for her. And Rain was, or is, a really accomplished dancer here in St. Louis. But sadly, she was involved in a drive-by shooting, which mm. paralyzed her completely. Oh, and gosh. She landed, obviously, in the hospital and had medical bills in the millions and was just just totally wrecked by this shooting. And it, it's just so sad what people can do to another person. And apparently, it was even a random shooting. I don't think she was even specifically targeted. So it's definitely a really sad situation. Which but on, on anyway, one so, side, that's a blessing that she wasn't particularly targeted, but it's also right, not a blessing, which is just this random madness. Right. So I don't know what it was, but she was caught in it. And a lot of the dance companies in St. Louis, um, they all decided to come together to put on this benefit show for her. So it was mostly dance companies involved, and I was asked to perform Purple Rain on violin along with a dance company, and it's actually, the dance company is called PDC, the Professional Dance Company, so it's one of the large companies in St. Louis. Um, But that was definitely a really, really cool moment for me, because that was the first time I'd ever gotten to perform with dancers, and to be able to see choreography done to a piece that I had already been performing, it really made it come alive in a, a totally new way for me. And honestly, it was, I think, one of my favorite performances that I've ever done of that piece. So it, it was such an impactful moment, I think, especially knowing um, knowing that Rain was even in the audience and performing that for her. There was just so much emotion behind it. So that song itself, Purple Rain, has definitely put me out there a lot more than I ever anticipated. I know it, it got a, a lot of views on social media and definitely got just a lot of notice from some of Prince's fans. So it's been a blessing for me for sure. Nice. Very cool. What uh, yeah. has become of Rain since then? How's she doing? She actually has improved immensely. She was never expected to be able to walk, and she is walking now. She has uh, progressed from having a feeding tube to being able to eat solid foods again. I don't know if she ever will dance again, which is, is definitely sad, but she has improved far beyond what she was ever expected to. So That's great news. That was definitely incredible to see, too. Yes, yes. Sounds so, like another triumph story out of tragedy in the making absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. She was, like I said, she was at the, the concert that we put on 
and just seeing the video of her progress and seeing her in the hospital bed and just having lost ton, tons and tons of weight because she was being fed through a feeding tube and, and not even really able to hardly eat anything, to seeing her in the wheelchair on the stage and just looking so much healthier than she did in those videos. I mean, that was just, it was an incredible moment to see that. Excellent. So, glad, yeah, glad you had a part a of that. Story. Very cool. Right. I was, I was happy to also. Throughout your career, you have dipped your toe in fashion also. Yeah. Um, and you've dipped like your entire being into modeling, which we'll get into in a moment. But I mm -hmm. was curious about some posts I saw, some photos of you from right. a, a handful of months ago where you designed a tux. Yes. Tell me about that. <laughs> How'd that come about? I actually happened across just a photo of this really beautiful dress. And I don't even remember if I was scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or what it was, but I saw this, basically this velvet dress that had one shoulder um, and had this big ruffle on the side of it. And it was an asymmetrical dress. And I was like, you know, that is so striking. I would love, you know, to have an outfit like that to perform in on stage. And just the nature of it having just one shoulder on the side, um, I think would really carry off well with my violin, since obviously I, I play uh, and have my, my violin on the, my left side on my shoulder. Um, and the ruffle was on the right side. So anyway, I was just envisioning this as a tuxedo since I have some other performance outfits that kind of have tails similar to some of the things that I perform in and, and the Trans-Siberian Tribute, the band that I perform with. I have this wonderful tailor that I work with uh, named Valeria, and I have taken ideas to her in the past from scratch. And she's just amazing at being able to kind of pull them together in a way that makes sense, even structurally, because I don't really even have the, <laughs> I don't have the, the background in order to sew or really do anything of that nature. So I took this picture to her and kind of a sketched out drawing of the back of it and of having tails um, with it and making it into a vest rather than a dress like it was in that photo. And I remember we worked on this and she worked on it just, I think I went back to her three times and it was over the course of maybe a month that she worked on this tuxedo. But it was funny just trying to figure out structurally even how to make the shoulder stand up properly. And she ended up putting all this ribbing in it and it ended up, I mean, working out really well, but it was just funny kind of seeing it from the inside out, how to, to make this actually work from a photo. So yeah, long story short, I mean, that was definitely kind of a little bit of back and forth but i mean she was the the total structural genius behind behind being able to make my idea work and come to life so you had so. that created for a <laughs> performance piece i did i actually had that created for finland specifically i love the elegant nature of it also with it being kind of a little bit more edgy so I had that specifically created for Finland, but also for some of the rock shows that i do specifically with my electric violin the v-shaped violin Let's take a quick break for this episode's nonprofit spotlight. Here's Abby to explain. One of the things that's kind of been on my heart for a long time is really children's ministry and taking care of children and also just the specific organization that's my support through my church. And this one is in Ironton, Missouri. It's named Camp Penuel. Basically, it's a children's camp for underprivileged children, and it's a completely free camp where they can, it's often kids that are maybe only have one parent or have had parents that have 
have been involved in shootings and that's the reason that they don't have parents anymore or they're just they really have a terrible home life but basically camp penuel is a week-long camp that gives them a safe place really to just be kids it's a place that i've visited a few times and it's a really beautiful camp that offers nature and sports and gives them also really a strong faith background in order to feel like they can be comfortable there and, and feel like they can um, confide in, in the people that are kind of helping run the camp. Learn more at bit.ly slash Camp Penuel. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Camp Penuel. That is spelled P-E-N-U-E-L. Bit.ly slash Camp Penuel. And consider how you could sponsor a child to attend summer camp. Now let's get back to our conversation with Abby Stahlschmidt as we head into our main topic. What I really want to talk to you about, because that's the part of your career that initially crossed our paths, because Mm -hmm. I first knew Abby Stahlschmidt as a model. That was my introduction. You and I have worked Mm -hmm. together several times. Both for my the company that I work for, but also you and I mm-hmm. have shot together several times just for fun, for my work, for your work, and all of that. And I'll pull some favorites mm-hmm. of those and put in the show notes also because those are among my favorites. But so cool. Thank you. you to you to me first, and and actually and foremost, uh, when I hear the name Abby Stahlschmidt, I immediately think model, partly because that mm-hmm. was my introduction to you. But also because it seems to be, whether it was the first foray for you or more of where you're heading in your career, Mm -hmm. although I could see where modeling and music could coincide, Yes. given everything that you have just said about your heart for the camp, uh, one of the things that has struck me is of all the models I've worked with, and, and there are many about whom I could say this, but you kind of rise to the top as having your head screwed on the most squarely. Thank you. That is like, <laughs> you don't see the crazy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> You're either that way or you hide it really well, but right. <laughs> it's a little the, <laughs> and, and I say that simply because I think you'll understand where I'm coming from when, when we have this part of the conversation, when I first started photographing people, one of the commercial aspects I sought after was to work in the pageant scene. And mm-hmm. I did for several years. I was the official photographer for several Tennessee state organizations. And I met some fantastic people and I had a blast mm-hmm. doing the work. As with anything, there was... I don't want to call it a dark side, but there wasn't a, and this isn't very fun side. And that really came to a head a little over nine years ago after I had a daughter. And everything about my photography career changed when I became the father of a daughter. Wow. And I remember specifically, I was on set, I was in the studio where you and I have worked together. And it was a Saturday morning. I was photographing a teen pageant contestant and her mother was there as she would be because I'm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I rarely photographed people alone anyway, regardless of age, but I definitely was not going to photograph a minor <laughs> without right. a parent or guardian there. 
not going to happen. Honorable. Shoot is canceled. <laughs> right. um, if right. mom, if mom or dad can't show up, shoots off. And I had photographed this contestant a few times, so it was a little more chummy, friendly with the family. I, I kind of felt like I was on the professional side, like the family photographer, because I'd gotten to know the her mom as well. So we were talking about my family and my growing family and this, that, and the other. We were talking personal stuff and not just professional stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that my time photographing pageant contestants was abruptly going to end when she looked at me and an honest question. It was sincere. It was kind. She said, are you going to put your daughter in pageants? And my <laughs> knee jerk response was a very snide and sarcastic. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, wow. And then yep. I caught myself and I was like, oh, shoot. Well, no, I'm not actually. Uh, and this is, this was back when the TV show toddlers and tiaras was out and mm. you know, it, all of that was all the rage. And I thought that was right. the most banal television <laughs> short of dance moms was yep. came not long after uh, I was just like, there is mm. no way I am putting my daughter into that world. Even right. as a photographer who is trained to make the exterior look really, really good. Mm-hmm. I didn't yes. want my daughter and now daughters, plural, to grow up around that particular scene. So all of that mm-hmm. came out into my mm-hmm. snide comment. So that being said, thoughts like that are always on my mind, even when I'm on set with grown-ups who have chosen to put themselves in front of a camera for mm-hmm. purpose XYZ, whatever that is. Because that person is someone else's daughter. And having a daughter completely changed that perspective on what I do. So it is from that context that I would really love to pick your brain about your modeling career, specifically, like, how did you get in it? Why did you get in it? Because you'll have some insights that I think will benefit the listeners, but will also Mm -hmm. scratch some curiosity itches just from me as a combination of a pro shooter and also a father of two daughters. I definitely wasn't seeking out modeling whenever I kind of was introduced to it. But my sister actually is a musician as well. She's a singer. And at the time, she was recording music in Nashville. I was about 12 years old, and she was 14. And she was thinking that she wanted to pursue an artist's career as a vocalist. So she actually was having some photos taken for an album that she had just recorded. And those were being taken in St. Louis. And the photographer there, which I had, did not know this, none of us knew this, um, that he was affiliated with a modeling agency. So he was taking photos of her, and I was also there, and he was like, do you mind if I take some photos of your other daughter, too, while I'm at it? And he took some photos of the both of us, and he asked my mom, who was, was there as well, do you mind if I send these photos to a modeling agency? She was kind of like, well, sure, I I guess so. I mean, you know, I I don't see why not. I guess we might as well see what they would have to say. So he sent them on to the agency, and they asked if I would come in for an open call and also my sister. And for those of you who don't know, there is a height requirement with modeling, which is a frustrating thing for many people. But my sister, I guess actually I hadn't reached, probably was not even 5'6 at the time, but my sister I think was... I mean, she's 5'4". So um, she went into the modeling agency. They told her that she was too short for modeling, which was unfortunate. She's a very beautiful girl. 
but they wanted to see if I was going to grow any taller because it seemed like I was. So they had me get braces. I went to some classes for about a year. I did end up having a growth spurt and they signed me and they sent me also on to an agency in Chicago. So it definitely was something that I kind of fell into and didn't really know where it was going to go for about two years. Just went to some classes, did some photo shoots just to kind of get warmed up to it. But it was something that I kind of took to right away. And I honestly don't even know what about it kind of feel natural to me. I guess that means I'm a drama queen, maybe. I don't know. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) just being able to kind of turn it on for the camera, like in a not a weird way. I don't know. There's just something about having pictures taken and almost even relating to like being on a stage, just like being able to turn it on in a way that is different from how I interact in everyday life. So I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a different person behind the camera or on a stage than I am in in life because I feel like I'm much more of an introvert and on stage I'm like an extrovert. So it's a funny flip that kind of happens. So I basically was introduced to modeling through this photographer and kind of got a feel for it, started figuring out what it was, started realizing that I just, I really loved being behind camera. And once I was sent to Chicago, I started getting to model for some commercial companies, commercial companies, meaning basically like department stores, Kohl's and Dillard's and things like that. And I just really loved the getting to dress up aspect of it. I mean, I've always been a girly girl. I've always loved just being able to try on new clothes and also meet new people. I love that aspect of modeling too and getting to travel. I love seeing new places. So I've definitely gotten to, at this point in my career, travel to a lot of places I never thought I'd be able to see. And I actually stayed in Florida for two months. I loved being in that environment and being near the beach. I mean, who wouldn't love that? And yeah, I mean, just being able to work with so many different people, so many creative people really spoke to that creative side of me. So some of my favorite collaborations, I think, have been beyond just doing the commercial stuff, being able to do the more artsy, creative stuff, which I know I've, I've gotten to do with you, Gregory, being able to work with somebody on having like a creative vision on a photo shoot, a specific idea on what they want to capture. I think that, you know, even alongside the commercial stuff, which makes the money is is kind of what's like fueled me to keep going with it, because I love having that creative outlet. So, yeah, I mean... I guess there are a number of reasons why I've, I've continued in it as long as I have. And they're definitely, especially in the earlier stages of my career, just kind of figuring it out. And also my, my parents being alongside me to help me figure it out was definitely essential for me because, you know, kind of as you talked about with the pageant stuff, there definitely can be a not so great side of modeling and maybe even especially in international modeling, which I was presented with kind of a few different options of going overseas modeling from time to time. And I never really felt comfortable with it. Like in the Japan scene? Yes. Which, I mean, I know that for some people it's been a great experience and other people it hasn't been a great experience. I mean, so it's just kind of, you don't know what you're going to get, but you are over in a different country, a different culture, different, even ethics and different ways of interacting with one another, different social situations. I mean, it's a totally new environment. Everything Um, about the idea of that just throws tons of red flags (laughs) to, to me, the father, (laughs) not necessarily to me, the photographer, because I Mm -hmm. want to believe that everything's going to be on the up and up, but I wasn't born yesterday. And (laughs) I, I just know that 
those right. wishes are pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. So it scares yeah, it, mean, it I, actually scares me when I when I hear people say, hey, "I'm going to go over to you know insert whatever country," right. and I was just like, right. "Oh dear Lord, protect this girl." Right. <laughs> yes, and kind of funny enough, I think one of the first agencies that I, was requesting for me to come over was went to Japan, and I happened to be at this basically music conference for it was like a two week long what was it called basically a music camp not just a conference and my mom called me on the phone she was like there's this agency in Japan that really wants you to go visit them and you would pretty much have to leave the music camp that you're at right now and and go over there and I was like mom I'm really enjoying myself here I don't think I can do that I mean still that was one of my favorite memories being at that music camp it was an organ I mean, it's just a beautiful place, but being around that environment, I was like, I don't, I don't really want to leave and I don't feel comfortable being in Japan by myself. So yeah, I've never been to Japan, but I've been to uh, Oregon and I wouldn't want to leave Oregon either. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, I still like, I have daydreams about, about looking out at, at the hills and even some of the mountains that I saw Mm -hmm. there. Um, and man, just being in that musical environment, hearing music all around me and being a part of it and seeing the beauty of nature. I mean, that is one of my moments where I felt, you know, sometimes you feel like there's kind of like a spiritual connection with music, which yep. you know, I don't even know what, what else to call it. But I just had that at that camp that I was at in Oregon. And that was just such an awesome experience for me. But long story short, as far as modeling and kind of making those decisions, I mean, I'm so thankful that I had my family alongside me to kind of help me think through some of those decisions I mean because I could have just easily I mean I I got I had my passport and I was almost ready to say yes to going to Japan and going to some of the other places that I had been asked to go I definitely think that having some advice and having some good counsel from the part of my parents and even really my agency was definitely a blessing and along the way I mean really yeah the foundation of my family helped me kind of keep my head on straight and even you know, really keeping me from getting a big head. And I remember just my parents and my family, they never really like made like a huge deal over, you know, any of the photo shoots that I would go on. They wouldn't be like, oh, that was, you know, you're so, you're so gorgeous. You're so, you know, whatever, insert this here. They definitely made sure that I was, you know, reminded, no, you still have to work really hard and you're going to come home and you're going to, you're going to work hard on, on school. You're going to get good grades and you're going to help out around the house and just, you know, reminding me of, of that foundation that I had. So that was really, I definitely feel essential for keeping me, I guess, on the right path. How did you feel internally at age 12 when mm-hmm. a photographer who I'm, I'm assuming you had not mm-hmm. met until this time, correct? I think that actually was the first time that we had met now that I think about that. And so, yes. was this photographer, I'm going to, flip a coin and I know which way it's going to lie. Mm-hmm. This photographer right. was a male, correct? That is correct. So yes. jump back into your 12 year old self with your 14 year old mm-hmm. sister and mm-hmm. this male that you have never met before starts talking to your parents about photographing you. Do you recall mm-hmm. that moment? I actually remember like being in the process of taking some of the photos and it was raining outside and I had this umbrella and he was having me laugh and basically look up at the sky and like basically just, you know, just be, just be a kid and, and kind of, um, you know, just convey that happiness. And honestly, I mean, I don't remember any red flag or any hesitation and, you know, the way that I felt at that kind of was like, you know, I, I trust my parents and, you know, let's just see where this is going to go. 
I have no idea what this even means, really. I, I really, at that point, had no idea that it was going to turn into a career. I remember even being in one of the classes in particular that I took from the agency, the first agency I signed with, and them saying, you know, basically, you'll, you'll be lucky if you get to the point where you have to file taxes on the income that you make at this. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I, I really hope I get to that point, but I, you know, I don't know. That would be cool. You know, it might be, it might be you know, a little extra cash for me to make on the side. So it was really something I, I had no idea what it was going to turn it into. But you as a pre-adolescent 12-year-old, yeah. didn't. it sounds like you didn't feel awkward. So it sounds like the photographer no. was like completely on the up and up. Yes. Good. Yes. And actually, good. Um, that's good to I hear. I can tell you the, the name of the photographer was Lance Tilford and his wife is a makeup artist and they have two kids. So definitely, I mean, it definitely was a positive experience. And, you know, I have to say, it just in light of that. I don't think I've ever had an extremely shady experience with any person that I've worked with. Which actually was one of the things I I wanted to ask you. I I was curious if that has ever crossed your path. There was one photographer that I remember feeling uncomfortable about. I was in Miami and I was staying there, like I said, for two months. I was living in a model apartment, which was an interesting experience in of itself because (laughs) it's kind of funny looking back now. A lot of the girls were foreign and they were from maybe Brazil or Cuba and they were coming over to the States and modeling for a lot of them. It was the first time in the U S and I was in uh, the model apartment was actually in South beach and that was where my agency was. And I didn't know what I was even really getting myself into. I kind of was going to just see, you know, how much money I could make, what it was going to be like. A lot of the girls, I think there were three other girls in the model apartment and a lot of them I think all three of them actually would go out and party pretty much every single night and go out to the clubs. And I just remember kind of like having that experience. They would get home or get to the apartment at eight in the morning and I would be getting up. I was like, I, you know, I don't really have any interest in going with you. I'm going to stay at the apartment and practice my violin. (laughs) But I do remember at that time there was one photographer that had approached me and actually, I mean, he did approach the agency. So it wasn't just that he singled me out, but he wanted to shoot with me. And I remember, I think my agency almost even set up the appointment, but he came over to the the model apartment and he wanted to see what outfits I had, which I mean, it's kind of standard. I didn't feel uncomfortable necessarily by that. But I remember he was wanting like me to try on the outfits for him to to see what he would like, you know, to shoot Mm -hmm. and what he liked out of the options that I had. So I remember even just like the process of like trying on the outfits and like walking out and, and showing him. And one of the other girls that was the models, thankfully, was was also there. But I just felt this discomfort by, like, the way that he even was, like, you know, talking about, like, the, the way that he liked the outfits on me. I was like, I feel really not comfortable by this. I definitely don't want to shoot with him. Like, this is not giving me the right feeling. So I actually contacted my agency back once he left. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't shoot with him. I, I don't feel right about this. And this just is giving me the wrong feeling. So that was... Honestly, I think one of the only times that I've ever felt uncomfortable and I, I didn't even move forward with it. So, How did your agency respond to that? I think they were a little bit offended because I know that they were like, you know, we're trying to we're trying to reach out to people and get you good images and try to build up your portfolio in Miami so that you can, you know, get booked with other companies here. And, you know, we feel like this is a good fit for you. But, no, I just told them, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think this is, this is not, not for me. <laughs> I mean, I think ultimately they, they did understand, you know, and the thing, the good thing about having an agency, I think a lot of people don't realize is 
you still are your own person, even though you're, you have an agency that's working for you, you are the one that's able to make the decisions and make the call on what jobs you want and what people you want to work with. They're not really, you know, you're not obligated to work with somebody just because your agency says that they are available or they would like to work with you. And, and the so. key words there is you have an agency working for you. Yes. Yes. Which a lot of people don't realize that or overlook that, but you really still are an independent contractor. So you're, you're the one that usually is going to have your best interest in mind above any agency. Definitely have to do what you're comfortable with and what you feel is the best for you. Would you say you're more comfortable shooting with a male photographer or a female photographer? I, I honestly don't know at this point that it really makes a huge difference to me. There are definitely some male and female photographers that I've really loved working with over the years. You know, it really just depends on their creative vision and maybe if I already know them well or know them through somebody else. I don't know that, you know, either makes me more or less comfortable, to be honest. Especially since I've been doing this for so long now, I just, I do feel just a certain sense of comfort already in, you know, in the process of shooting. So it doesn't really even make me uncomfortable to, to shoot with either a male or female. Yeah, that's fair. What mm -hmm. has the uh, breakdown been? Have you shot more with males or females? Um, it does seem like there have been a lot more male photographers, and I don't know if that's just the nature of the business. The creative vision behind it is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some photographers in particular, some female photographers that I've loved working with. I mean, just to name a few, Elizabeth Wiseman in St. Louis is just a really talented photographer here, and I've loved working with her. She's just a sweetheart. And also another one, Bibi, who she and her husband are this kind of powerhouse team. Um, it's so, so fun to see them work together. Um, she is the photographer and he does the videography mostly. They are both from Croatia. So it's been so fun to work with them because sometimes they'll just like go back and forth in Croatian. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I have no idea what they're talking about, but they'll talk so fast. And <laughs> they're just, they're just the most bubbly, creative couple that I've ever worked with. They're, they're so much fun. So... I do definitely think I've worked with more more male photographers when it comes down to it, though, than I have female. And that simply just so. could be a, a census issue. I mean, there's probably just more right. male photographers than there are female, uh, right. at, at least in the fashion side of things. You get on the wedding and family photographer side of things, it's probably skewed the other way. Generally mm -hmm. speaking, of course, I don't want to get into stereotypes, yeah. but generally speaking, it's, it's just kind of the way, the way it currently is. Yes, I know a lot more female photographers that do weddings than I do even male photographers that do weddings, so I, I definitely would agree with that. This is Collected Clan. I'm your host, Gregory Byerline. Thank you for listening to these conversational biographies about real life with relatable guests. We operate on a listener-supported system, so the conversations remain honest and real without beholding to companies or products. Instead of interrupting the show with paid advertisements unrelated to our mission, we prefer to promote nonprofit organizations selected by our guests. If you find value in what we're doing here on Collected Clan, please visit our website at www.collectedclan and click the support tab to learn how you can financially support this show for as little as $5 a month. Thank you for your support. And now, back to this conversation. On a philosophical side of modeling, where do you see the line is between representing or selling a product or a lifestyle, which really is what modeling is all about. It's acting <laughs> yes. for a yes. still frame. It's, I mean, it's a single frame. It's, it's an acting mm -hmm. job, basically. Absolutely. 
And between being objectified and everything being about the superficiality of one's looks. That is such a interesting topic to even think about. Because that's something that I've definitely kind of grappled with in my own career, um, even this far. It's totally true that... You know, you kind of are, are selling yourself and, and definitely using your your person and your yourself to help a company sell a product, which in itself is kind of a thing to even wrap your mind around. I'm trying to figure out the best way to even answer that because I, I feel that if I'm presented with a product that I don't feel aligns with my own beliefs and my own kind of core values, then I definitely would say that that is a point where, you know, I, I would have to, to say no to modeling for a certain company or a certain product. But as far as like objectification or objectifying, I guess I'm very careful now that I kind of can look back and look at the things that I've done and look at really, even in an objective way, look at my modeling career and what it really means to be a model. I, I guess I'm even more careful now maybe than I was in the past about what kind of photos I take and what, what companies I model for and how I'm presenting myself. Again, even in light of wanting to be a role model and be, I guess even be in a way different from some of the other cultural role models that, that kids may look up to nowadays. But it's hard to even put a hard line out there for a specific, you know, type of shoot or a specific thing that I would or wouldn't do. I mean, I, I definitely would say, you know, for instance, I, I don't think I can ever see myself being in a Victoria's Secret campaign or something of that nature. It doesn't align with my values and it doesn't align with the message that I want to put out there and the, the person that I want to portray to people. Have there been projects yeah, that I you mean, have I, declined? Yes. On, on that basis? Came to mind. Okay. One just came to mind as far as specific, more in kind of a, like, it was like body part modeling, a specific focus on, you know, I'm sure you can imagine a specific parts of the body that would be in an art, uh, you know, portrayed in a said artistic sense. Yes. Which to me, I mean, I, I realize that, you know, people can argue that the body is art, which, you know, I, I agree with. But in a certain way, I don't think undue focus needs to be made on you know certain parts of the body because I, I don't I just don't think that that is the way that people should be portrayed. I don't think they really should be chopped up in that way to focus on parts of the body themselves rather than the whole person, which you know gets into still kind of gray area because at the same time, I mean you know there's this thing called shin down modeling, which you know I realize is a different aspect of still commercial modeling. Right. You know, you're not seeing the whole person's body, but you're seeing part of it, and that's in order to sell a product. Right. So am I am I being am I being a bit of a hypocrite there in <laughs> in kind of saying that I don't do that kind of artistic body part modeling, yet I still am modeling in things that show only parts of my body. I don't but, know. Again, but I, to be I fair, really... because in my line of work, I have even recently. Uh, we moved from photographing apparel on a mannequin mm. onto a live human being. And we were experimenting with this plan. So we went into mm. it. We even told the agents, we're not going to show the face. We're literally going mm -hmm. to crop either at the nose or the mouth or the chin. And right. this person will literally be a live mannequin because we were <laughs> yes. selling clothing. We were mm -hmm. photographing clothing to sell, and we wanted right, to show right. it on a live human being to show how it actually fits someone 
that mm-hmm. was of an average body type and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. It also meant right. that we didn't need the additional and often necessary expense of a hair or makeup stylist because exactly. we had no intention of showing anything above the nose. Which is a totally financially smart move on the part of the company. So I, I definitely understand. But the, why in, it's the intent was to show a product on a person. The intent yes, was yes. not to show that person's body part. Yes. And the intent, I, I think you're hitting around right the head. Yes. The intention and the purpose of the photo is much different. The next step, someone could say, okay, well, what about, and, and we were fo- mostly photographing t shirts uh, or, mm-hmm. or tops or jackets, you mm-hmm. know, stuff from the uh, torso clothing. Right. But as a product, there are models who are known for being on the packaging of pantyhose. Right. And the purpose is not necessarily to show that body part, but to show that product that goes on that body part. Right. Exactly. So in that scenario, hypothetically speaking... Is that something would my feelings be that would would you accept a gig like that, or would that be you know what that's outside of my wheelhouse? Well, I would definitely say no, and for a number of reasons. For me, especially with the music and with my face being out there, and there are just so many things that go into it. Even the marketing aspect of what am I putting my face on, especially because I have not just modeling, but I have music, and I have this person that I am this idea of myself that I'm wanting to portray to people, you know, I wouldn't want them to be able to type me in the internet and, you know, this such and such pantyhose company and my picture to pop up on the pantyhose. I mean, that's just not the image that I, I want people to be able to search of me. So maybe even more so uh, in respect to having both modeling and music and making really a career out of this, I would definitely say that I, I wouldn't take that kind of gig because of the pictures, especially in the image that I want out there of me and that and the images that I don't want out there of me. So fair yeah, enough. I even if your name answer. was not attached to it, even if you literally were just a hired person to be the mannequin on which these, you know, these control top pantyhose were on or, you know, or whatever the product was. And I mean, especially in light of, you know, if my face is being shown on it, I mean, you know, just in reality, if my, you know, if it's recognizable, then I would probably say, I don't think that I would take it. And that's me. I mean, I, I don't think that that necessarily is like a hard line for people in general. That's not saying that, no, you should never take that kind of thing. But personally for me with, you know, just the image that I'm portraying yeah. and wanting to portray with my career, I, I probably would be in my best interest not to take that kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I threw that in more of an illustration curiosity sort of right. thing. Not so much a, oh my gosh, the girls who do that are, oh God, they're that type of girl. Because yes. cause, cause they're probably not. Absolutely. Uh, they're probably just normal right. everyday people who, hey, this exactly. is what they do. Yes, exactly. Not much different than being a hand model. Well, I, okay, so exactly. it is it is a little different, but not really. <laughs> yes. Not entirely. Right. I mean, it's still, it's still, like you said, the intention is for selling a product, which is a different situation than, than, I don't know, glamour modeling or something of right. that nature. Well, and the reason I asked that question of where is the line between, you know, representing a product or a lifestyle or whatever and the objectification, and I suppose it's in the intent. And it really comes back to that story I, I started this segment with about now that I am a father of two daughters and the conversation I had with the pageant mom 
who is Mm -hmm. one of the sweetest ladies you will ever meet. I I don't want to make it sound like she was one of these, you know, monster dance moms, pageant moms. But it was a fair question. And another level of irritation I had from the pageant scene was the way the girls would talk to each other. Hmm. And everything they said to each other was external mm-hmm. as the rule. The exception would be if they talked about something that was internal, like their their character or their their view on something or this, that, and the other. Every time they referred to each other, it was, oh, she's so pretty. Oh, hmm. she's so pretty. She's so hmm. pretty. And everything was external. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to go, yeah, but is she kind? Do people want to hang with her? <laughs> And that's something that I've asked both of my girls, you know, they'll meet somebody or if they knew I was at a shoot and I would come home say, hey, you want to see, you know, when daddy left last night or here's what I had to go do today. Here's what I got to do. She's like, wow, daddy, she's pretty. Of course, my daughters are eight and five. So anyone Mm -hmm. older than them is of the princess kind or the fairy kind, you know, this otherworldly attainable type thing. And like, wow, Mm -hmm. she's really pretty. I'm like, yeah. And she's really cool, too. She's smart and she's talented Mm -hmm. and she had good ideas. So I'm, I'm trying to instill in them that it's not all about. Absolutely. What you see on the page. And eventually I will show them. Because I have the Photoshop retouching skills to make someone look like they're not. And at some point, I'm going to sit them down with me in front of the computer. I'm going to show them how a photographer makes someone look that they're not and why everything you see in print is smoke Mm -hmm. and mirrors and do not believe it. Yes. (laughs) I think I owe it it to them to, to show that. But on the other hand, I understand the importance of, I'm doing air quotes here, Sunday best, mm-hmm. too. So so there's a fine line. And that, that line was just crossed way too many times when I was photographing pageant contestants and the things that they would say about themselves. Oh, my gosh, I don't like me from this side. Can you lift my jawbone? Can you move my chin? Like All this. Oh, I'm like, my. yes, I can, but it's not you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I would go to some events in support of my clients and I would look down at the program and I would see a photograph. And at the end of the event, I would go, where was that girl? Because she did not look like herself in real life. Mm-hmm. And it was the strangest thing. So all that was rolled yep. into my snide and snarky laugh when this super sweet pageant mom asked me if I was going to put my daughter in pageants. I was like, no. <laughs> There's no right. way. And at that moment, I said, mm-hmm. okay, I need to fulfill the obligations, the sessions I have currently booked. And I probably should not promote myself as doing this anymore. <laughs> Had a little bit of self-revelation. <laughs> it, it really was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that girl not only made me a daddy, but she gave me a clue, at least in that regard. And, you know, so that was nine years ago. And I think about this stuff often just because it's my line of work right. and my kids want to sure. be involved in what I do and all this stuff. Sure. But I often wonder where that line of objectification is because I have a line of intimate portraiture, which is mm-hmm. designed to photograph a woman and her form 
because it is the most incredible work of art ever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the intent is it's like super tastefully done. And, and I hope everyone I have photographed has had a positive experience. You know, so I, I wanted full disclosure. I mean, I have a line of portraits mm-hmm. that were what you and I were talking about. But the intent is this is a time capsule. I hate to say right. it, but time marches on and it's not friendly <laughs> to male or female figures. And the, the ladies that I photographed is like, you know, I'm, I'm only going to look like this now. One client was, she commented that my husband and I are planning on starting a family soon. And I know that odds are I will not be in the current shape I am after I have a child. I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. And I love that you acknowledge that and that that's okay. But I also think it's super Mm -hmm. cool that you are doing yourself a favor and documenting where you are at this moment. That kind yeah, of stuff I love cool. because it's still honoring and to yeah. me it's not objectifying and perhaps it is. And if someone argues that it is, I will hear your argument and I, and I might even change my mind. <laughs> but I can tell you that the intent was to elevate and celebrate. And that is, But man, there's again, a fine I, line I between that. that. There is. There is. I definitely know that both of us know that the huge importance that the culture places on beauty and on, you know, having a certain ideal, a certain ideal look and face and body type. And I mean, I, I do think that a little bit of that is changing, you know, little by little that, but you know, it is difficult being in this industry and knowing that, that somehow I, I you know, kind of fit into a piece of that in the culture's mind or in this, I don't even know how to say it, this portrait of ideal beauty and kind of having to grapple with that because there is so much more to people in general than the way that they look. And that's such a small portion of who a person is. So I guess trying to make sure that I portray that with, with the way that I present myself and the way that I talk about my career and the way that I interact with people that it's, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's all about the way that I look, you know, and there's some days that I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, where's that person that was in that photograph that, you know, that I had taken of me. Um, I look the the so person who had someone like doing her hair and someone doing her makeup yes. and, you know, on the, on and a professional grade. Yes. With the right light. I uh-huh. mean, an everyday person just doesn't walk around with a stylist. Right. right. And it's funny, the reality check that it is whenever I get back home from a shoot and I'm like, I take my makeup off and I'm like, you know, there's, there's me again. You know, yeah. I'm, I am happy with myself. I'm going to accept that this is who I am and realize that that's kind of my dress up time. That's my play time. I get to be a princess while I'm on set. You know, not everybody gets that experience. Yeah. Kind of separating the reality from the um, princess time. I don't know how I think of it. Yeah. I remember that morning, that pre sunrise time, uh, you and your mom mm-hmm. met me in a park and you were like, okay, so, so what's the theme on the, the theme on this honestly is right. literally roll out of bed. Let's go shoot. I don't want makeup. <laughs> I don't want your hair yes. done. And I think you wore like mm-hmm. a, just a simple black tank top. I mean, it was it was more about yes, let's just go see what this light's going to give us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's still one of my favorites. And I have toyed with creating a line of that um, mm-hmm. where yep. the ladies can not have to fuss with what their hair looks like or what their face looks like or doesn't look like. Okay. Depends on how right. you see it, half full, half empty. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that was just fun. So uh, kudos to you for even yes, that was a lot of for fun. a being on set at five a.m. Um, right, but then also was, was not a big deal. But also not really even <laughs> batting an eye. And what you mean you want me to come without makeup? Oh my gosh, I don't leave the house without makeup. <laughs> right. No, yeah. most days I I mean I don't wear makeup, but no, that was a lot of fun for me. I mean, I love that in particular, so thank you for having me on that. But just getting to do things that are kind of out of the box and not just like, let's glam it up for this photo shoot. I like kind of the down-to-earth photo shoots as well. So, yep. and, and I think the moral of the story here is intent. Makeup, mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Focusing on externals, right. not right. a bad thing, as long as the internal qualities are there too. It's not all about the right. externals. We're not keeping up with anybody. It's right. just... There's substance to the style. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of the coin is, yes, getting dolled up is great, but not getting dolled mm-hmm. up, also great. They each have their purpose and time mm-hmm. in the sun, if you will. Right. If I go fishing with my grandparents, I'm not going to go with a full face of makeup. I'm going to have my sun hat on and uh, <laughs> I'm not afraid of putting the, the worm on the hook. And then, you know, the next day I might have a photo shoot where I'm, I have my extensions and my eyelashes on. So, right. I don't know. I feel like I have two different worlds that I live in sometimes. I enjoy it, but it, it is, I don't know, it's, yeah. it's a different thing. It's a different thing that a lot of people like get to experience, I think. And to my daughters who are hearing this years from now, because once it's on the internet, it's out there. Right. And to any, well, anyone else who needs to hear what I'm about to say, never believe what you see in print. Because it's mm-hmm. been doctored one way or another. Oh, yeah. If for no other reason than the color was oh, stripped yeah. out. A simple black and white photograph is not necessarily, well, it's not reality because we don't live in a black and white world. It is a representation of a split yes. second in time. It doesn't yes. have to be something one aspires to, although it could if there's dignity and uh, forthright stuff in it. Right. I've been a professional photographer for going on 15 years and two thirds of that I've been a parent. And the the first mm-hmm. third was easy because I didn't have to think about this stuff. But right. the, those girls, they just changed my they changed my life in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. And I think about mm-hmm. it daily. You know, and then right. with with right. all of the the necessary women's issues in the news these days, I, I love that. Uh, that females are getting their time in the sun and that they're being heard and, mm. and all that stuff because it, it's long overdue. Right. I'm kind of anxious for the pendulum to swing back just a little bit. Not that it puts the women out of the spotlight, <laughs> but that right, it becomes right. okay again to elevate femininity and mm. honor it and adore it and, I guess there's a little bit of objectification in there, but not in a demeaning way, but in an honoring way. Yes, I I would agree that there is a bit of the femininity aspect that is kind of like, I don't know, it's not as uh, held in high regard anymore, um, it seems. I mean, I'm all for independence of women and, you know, being able to own your own business and, you know, be responsible for your own career and all of that. I mean, obviously, I've I definitely am in support of that. Um, well, and, and you're a walking but, example of that. Right. But yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. The femininity aspect is is something that I feel like is almost, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to talk about it as much because I guess in short, I would agree that I, I think the pendulum, I would like to see that swing back a little bit. Um, uh, and as an example, I would like to get to where I honestly can genuinely open a door 
for someone and right. not have her look right. at me going, what, did you not think I could open the door? Like, no, I know you can. Exactly. I just got there right. first and thought I would do it for you. Right. I would like to not have that yes. mental conversation. I would just like just to do it. How? Thank you, sir. And right. on and on we go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm longing I mean, for I that day again. <laughs> yes. There's this odd imbalance, I feel like, you know, once we bringing women up seems to somehow almost push down the role of men in a way. I don't I don't understand why that can't be more balanced, you know, as if manhood somehow is almost an offense to women, which I, I just don't understand. I don't understand, you know, even the chivalry aspect. I mean, I'm kind of old school, I guess you could say, you know, I, I definitely feel like there is some of that that is you don't talk about that anymore in our culture chivalry is it's almost again like an offense to to womanhood and i I totally believe that's untrue yes i'm giving you a high five (laughs) (laughs) i know yes i i know women are perfectly capable of opening their own door i get it i just would like to do it for you (laughs) right given the opportunity it will be sincere right right i think of songs that are honoring and uplifting and adoring of women. I mean, there's Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman, Chris Isaac, Lady in Red, Vince Gill, There's Nothing Like a Woman. I actually have a playlist I've made on Spotify that I go, it's a a silly name, but it it means the world to me. Uh, It's called Eve the Exquisite. And it's Mm. songs all about how amazing women are. Mm-hmm. And you know, and those three songs that I Love just that. mentioned off the top of it are are in there. Van Morrison's right. "Brown Eyed Girl," that kind of stuff. Yes. Because not as an object, but as a subject, and not in a demeaning right. way, but as a topic. Females have been the subject of all forms of art throughout history, mm-hmm. for a reason. For for a good reason, mm-hmm. I would say, right. because <laughs> and in my intimate portrait brand, one of the things I say is I elevate Eve. And the story mm-hmm. is that God saved the best for last <laughs> because Eve was the pinnacle of creation. Starts with the, the firmament, the stars, space. We get to earth. We get to water. We get to land. We get to vegetation, mm-hmm. we get to animals, we get to this dude. Nah, I can do better. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, I'm going to knock you out, sucker. And when you wake up, mm-hmm. then there's, as you know, as a comedian once said, then there's, whoa, man. And then there's Eve. And he stops. <laughs> that is great. I mean, he stops. He's like, you know what? I'm done. I am not going to beat this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he stopped and, and rested. In, in the light of that, I see Eve as the pinnacle of creation, and all of that informs every like the last 30 minutes of what I've just said. Wow. And, and the questions I've asked you as someone who has been the object slash subject mm-hmm. of many a camera, including mine, I thought you would be a great person to have this conversation with. Yes, thank you beautiful commentary there i mean i <laughs> i personally never thought of it that way but <laughs> well really you're not a guy abby <laughs> <laughs> right. right i don't know that i could 
couldn't think of it that way. <laughs> you know, but at the same yeah. time, if I were ever in a shooting situation where a photographing situation that the person I was photographing was uncomfortable, I would certainly want to know and we would go a different direction. And God, I hope I'd never have to hear that someone didn't have the courage to say something, partly because mm-hmm. I hope I never put them in that scenario in the first right. place. Of course. Because that yeah, would be totally a massive that. downer. I think I would sell my gear or, if that ever happened. Right. I mean, I'm sure that would that would probably even hurt you even more than it would potentially be uncomfortable for the person. So yeah. I understand that. And that's respectable. The, definitely a fine line, but it can be a gray area, too, <laughs> which is why it's full of mystery. Right. Which, I mean, honestly, in, in so many areas of life, there is that, too. There's a lot of gray area. So, yeah, not even just photography, but I guess especially the creative realm. So intention and being um, kind of upright in your moral standing and values and all of that, I think, is definitely essential. It's definitely a challenge. This has been fun, Abby. Yes, it has been. Thank you so much for this. Good good catching up with you (laughs) outside of social media. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh, this, which is one of the reasons I created this thing was to reconnect with people and actually have conversations mm-hmm. offline. Right. <laughs> and, and the irony is that right. this is going to go online, but still, it's offline. Kinda the only thing I would want to do different about these is be able to have these recorded in person. So there actually is mm-hmm. a time carved out where mm-hmm. people get together and converse and, right. and tell stories. Someday that will be the case, be but, but for now, they are done by phone. Please remember me when you get to that point, because <laughs> I'd love to still be involved. <laughs> that sounds uh, like a lot it, of fun. It just requires a lot more <laughs> planning and production gear and, and, and everything, but right. it's, it's right. definitely in the phase two, phase three of, of growth for this. Well, thank you again for your time tonight. How can people follow what you're up to? My social media handles for Facebook, my personal page is actually under Abby Stalchmidt. Stalchmidt is S-T-A-H-L-S-C-H-M-I-D-T. I'm an Instagram is also under Abby Stalchmidt. My, I do have a, a band page on Facebook that is under Abigail, A-B-I-G-A-I-L, which I would love for people to follow me there as well. You'll definitely get much more specifically music-oriented updates. And on my personal page, you'll kind of get my whole life. so it just depends on what you want to follow and then twitter is under abby s music model and then you can also uh, people could also go to my website which is abigailstalschmidt.com so all of it is just under my name except for my twitter yeah i would love for people to stay up to date with what i'm doing as we kind of touched on just a few aspects but i definitely have my hands in (laughs) a wide variety of things so Yes, listeners, definitely follow what Abby's doing. Check out her music. Check out the show notes also, which will be at collectedclan.com slash Abby Stahlschmid. And all of that will be spelled out. I'll pull in some videos that we've talked about, some of your performance stuff and some of our photos together. And uh, there'll be a lot of support material there in the show notes. Awesome. Awesome. It's a funny thing. When a photographer does an audio program, there's still got to be some visuals. So. Right. Taking a lot of time to build a website, and I spent a lot of time on the show notes. So, guests, please check them out. They're there mm-hmm. for you. Um, this is a wonderful podcast, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. Well, I'm glad you uh, agreed to be part of it, too. Thank you for sharing your story and your insights, and keep us all posted with your music stuff. Thanks.
you absolutely i will yes it's so great to talk to another creative and somebody kind of on the inside as i guess i could say who gets the business and has other fun stuff that they do also it's been a pleasure to talk to you there you have it a real life conversational biography with musician and model abby stolschman for more of these conversations, subscribe now at collectedclan.com slash follow or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. It's free to listen. Be sure you visit the show notes for this episode at collectedclan.com slash abbystalschmid. That's A-B-B-Y-S-T-A-H-L-S-C-H-M-I-D-T. For photos, videos, musical playlists, and additional info related to this episode. And I'd love to hear from you. What did you love about this show? Drop us a note to collectedclan at gmail.com or by voice at 615-592-5017. Your thoughts and feedback are always welcome. You're also invited to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. Search for Collected Clan and we'll be there. And a big shout out to my friends Worldwide Groove Corporation for this episode's original music. The song is Mimosa from their album Chilodesiac Lounge Volume 1. Check out more of their music at WorldwideGrooveCorporation.com. Thank you again for listening. Now go be you.